Once again, and welcome to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am your host, Chris Levine, and I am so happy that you're here with me today. I'm legitimately delighted that you're joining me today. Today, we're going to talk about the phenomenon known as the humanistic approach to psychology. Another way of doing it. So so let's get to it. The Simply Psychology website defines humanistic psychology as a perspective that emphasizes looking at a whole person and the uniqueness of each person. Uh, The humanistic approach emphasizes the personal worth of the individual, the centrality of human values, and the creative and active nature of human beings. Uh, This approach is optimistic. It focuses on the good stuff, uh, on the human capacity to overcome hardship, pain, and despair. And and this is the overall thought when it comes to this realm of psychology. See, these individuals that do this humanistic approach believe that psychology should study the individual case rather than the average performance of a group of people. In other words, you are you, so they're going to study you. You have your own thoughts, experiences. You have your own needs and strengths. As such, analyzing you as an individual is the way they feel you should go. In fact, one treatment for a person in this manner is actually called person-centered therapy. Now, what I like about this line of thought is that the emphasis, at least in my understanding of all of this, is to look for the good in people. I I don't feel we do that enough. Look for the good in people. And and this in turn often helps these ones to see the good in themselves. You know, the the idea of of seeing the best in people by all means has totally taken root in pop culture. It's all over the place. For example, remember the song Perfect Day by Lou Reed? Uh, He here in his lyrics is describing a perfect day. And one of the lyrics says, it just says it's spot on when he sings just a perfect day. You made me forget myself. I thought I was someone else, someone good. I love this because he here thinks that he himself is not good, but, but inadvertently the other person showed him that he was Uh, maybe one day he'll accept that to be true. That is the humanistic approach. And I like that. Now, there are many takes with the humanistic approach. Some I subscribe to, some I don't, but I love the overall sentiment. Think of it like this, for example. If a child drew and colored a picture of a rose for you, how would you feel? That'd be kind of nice, right? But, But let's say they colored the stem of the rose red and the petals green. Well, now you have a choice. You can correct them. That's not what a rose looks like. I've never seen a rose that looked like that. Or you could just accept their heartfelt gift. 
Now, as it is in a life or death scenario, I'll tell you, my personal instinct would be to just thank them for the picture. See, at some point in their lives, they will learn the colors, they'll see that they were reversed, and will adjust. Or they'll use their artistic license and keep things that way on purpose, or maybe do something completely different. See, either way, if we get caught up in that aspect, we're missing the real point. This child, for whatever reason, took the time to make you something, putting their heart into it. And then they had the courage to show you and give it to you. So as far as I'm concerned, who cares if the stem has polka dots and the petals are checkerboard? It's the thought that counts. That is the humanistic approach. So, so how does all this work? Well, the website mentalhealth.net says that the most famous humanistic approach psychotherapy technique for helping people to get out of their own heads and into their own emotions is known as the empty chair. Maybe you've seen something like this. See, the empty chair technique is essentially a directed visualization technique where a therapist directs a patient to imagine someone that they are in conflict with as though they're sitting in that empty chair in front of them. They're not there, but just pretend like they are. The patient is next encouraged to describe and visualize the person as though they are actually in front of them. Once the visualization appears to be solid, the patient is then encouraged to start talking to that visualized person in that empty chair, telling him or her all the things that have not been said in reality that need to be said. It's interesting. It says that patients often feel very funny doing this exercise at first, but that is mostly because it rather quickly tends to suck people into experiencing the emotions associated with having the actual conversation. In fact, it says that it's not uncommon for people to start crying during this, and therapists have to be careful to not set up a situation where patients get too freaked out. Now, emotion for emotion's sake is not the goal here. Instead, what is desired is a sort of behavioristic systematic desensitization effect, wherein the feared and avoided emotion becomes less scary. Why? Because you just experienced it. You just had that conversation with that person, even though it wasn't really with that person. And so now it's almost like part of it is off your chest. It doesn't need to be avoided so much. If one was to translate and strip the humanistic approach to everything down to a single moment in pop culture, for my money, I would pick a film. And it's one most people have seen. It's personified by the Tom Hanks character in 1994's Forrest Gump. Listen to what a site called Screen Rant says in part about this character, and then we'll tie it into what we're talking about. Screen Rant says this, throughout the entire movie, Forrest Gump is relentlessly optimistic. Even when things are tough, he looks on the bright side of life, even if other characters around him hate it. It's difficult to be upset when someone else is so optimistic. 
It's a contagious feeling that's bound to help friends to be more optimistic too. Why? The Forrest Gump character wasn't worried about all the terrible things that were happening because he knew he would always be able to figure it out. So he lived in a nice, blissful state that is a bit over the top, but the sentiment is a good ideal to try to live up to. I thought that was a nice piece. Maybe we personally think that living like this is impossible. I can't do that. I don't even know if I want to do that. Should we? Well, first of all, it's not impossible. <laughs> it's hard, but it's not impossible. Let's say, for example, someone is maybe a little less extreme than a Forrest Gump, but still very optimistic, and they do something. They compliment you. Do you hear them? When an optimistic person or somebody who has your best interests at heart compliments you, do you listen? You see, it does something to us when we hear someone point out something good about us, doesn't it? Now, we may feel extremely uncomfortable receiving compliments. A lot of people, they drink them up. Other people, though, they avoid them like the plague. But if we actually listen to compliments, and if they resonate, it can be really transformative in our lives. In fact, let's say you get complimented all the time about something, but you don't believe it. Yeah, they're just being nice, or whatever you tell yourself. The fact is, is that you are still hearing that praise. You're still hearing something good said about yourself. And at the very least, it's hitting you subliminally. So even if we're in that scarily comfortable place where we feel sorry for ourselves and we don't necessarily even want to hear or believe good things about ourselves, and we purposefully deflect positive comments toward us like we're deflecting tennis balls with a racket as they land in our court, guess what? We still hear them, and it still does something. Let's close with this take on all of this. Can we then be in the driver's seat with this? Can we think less of ourselves and become better catalysts for this with other people? Can we be the voices and the mouthpieces that supply the kind words, the positive observations, and the bright side for other people? If we do, something will happen at the very least, and it's kind of a biggie. You know what it is? I don't think you're, gonna, you're expecting what I'm going to say. We won't be as self-absorbed. See, we will be focused on other people and assisting them in a good way. Now, I'm not talking about enabling. And also, if this is done insincerely, it'll do more harm than good. So you don't want to do that. But can we be that person, that rare person in the room, at least sometimes, or more than we already are, who takes a humanistic approach? Can we take that approach to life in the sense that we try to be more understanding of people? We try to be less judgmental of people and more positive overall? I'm a big believer that the idea of giving not only provides but brings happiness. I believe that totally.
yes, it's true. Everyone likes to get stuff, myself very much included. But giving is different. Giving another person that fleeting moment of happiness every once in a while that they may not get from anywhere else in the world is one of the best feelings that you as the giver could ever feel. Even if, if that only means that we're taking a short break from being self-absorbed <laughs> or consumed with our own problems, it just feels so great. And remember this to close. If we care about people individually and look for the best in them when possible, it gets us out of our own heads and hopefully into other people's hearts. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist to help grasp the thoughts of this topic in a fun, musical way. Uh, we have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, The Humanistic Approach Playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash The Humanistic Approach. So let's do this. Song number one. What I Like About You by The Romantics. Fun song. But again, looking for the good in someone. That's why I picked this. We want to find out not what we don't like about people, but what we like about them. Number two, Energy by The Apples in Stereo. Positive song. Song number three, you may remember this artist as Terrence Trent Darby in the 80s, but he now goes by Sananda Maitreya. Uh, this is on his excellent record, Neither Fish Nor Flesh, from 1989. Now, I remember when it was released back then, the critics did not like this record. Their consensus for this was that it was self-indulgent and overreaching. But I, I thought it had some great moments on it. It's not a typical record. <laughs> and this is one of the great moments, as far as I'm concerned. It's song number three on our list, and it is entitled, It Feels So Good to Love Someone Like You. I challenge you to listen to it with headphones. Number four, Wonderful by Adam Ant. Now, of course, his 80s work defines him, but this later single is one of his best ever, and it totally fits our theme. Number five is You Are the Everything by R.E.M. off of their Green album. Number six, let's go classic rock for this one. The band is 10 years after, and the song is Positive Vibrations. Number seven is a song from the 1980s. Maybe you'll remember it, maybe you won't. It was called Love and Pride by King. Uh, the chorus lyric is, that's what my heart yearns for now. Love and Pride. That sounds pretty humanistic approach to me, so I included it here. By the way, the band's keyboardist, Michael Roberts, was a really great interview. He was a really nice guy. You know, people sometimes hear 80s pop music and new wave music, and they think that it's overly simplistic. But for the record, Mick had classical training in piano from the age of four. And by the time he was 15, he was offered a scholarship to the Royal Academy. So there's more going on in 80s music than sometimes people get credit for. Song, song number eight is Human Nature by Michael Jackson. Song number nine, again, sticking with our theme, it's Something About You by Level 42. 
And song number 10 is If I Can Dream by Elvis Presley. This is, in my opinion anyway, the best song that this man ever recorded. There's, in fact, a psych book that's based on his life called The Inner Elvis by someone named Peter Whitmer, which essentially uses him and his life and choices to explain psychological theory and conditions. And part of the book actually talks about his recording this during his 68 comeback special. Doing this song for this man was a huge statement from him at the time, kind of like he would do uh, within the ghetto as well. And you can hear it in his raw voice that he absolutely means this song when he sings it. This wasn't just a, hey, what are we going to record next situation? This song symbolized what essentially could have potentially happened if he walked away from his manager and listened to other people, which unfortunately he didn't do. But it is on topic in that it's looking for the good in humanity and wanting to see it come to fruition. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. All you got to do is just type in Refresher Podcast dash the human humanistic approach. On behalf of the Refresher Podcast, thank you again so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to this podcast, the support this podcast link under the episode description gives you the options of contributing either 99 cents a month $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. If you are so inclined, please do. A big, big thanks to those that are already doing this. But listen, and I mean this, whether you do or whether you don't, I'm just happy you're here. I hope this little show helps you. I hope it's enjoyable for you. You know, it helps me as a presenter. So hopefully it helps you as a listener. Another podcast of note is the Managing Expectations podcast. You can check that out on Spotify as well. It's well worth checking out. Uh, they have a rotating cast that comes in and comes out, all different kinds of pop culture subjects, and the banter between Jeff and Brian is very relatable and interesting. It's a good listen. Check them out on Spotify, the Managing Expectations podcast. And also, there is the 7208 podcast on Spotify too, where my son and I tackle pop culture. Harrison was born in 2008. I was born in 1972. Thus, we are the 7208 podcast. So I get to do a podcast with my kid. Can you even imagine? That is the 7208 podcast on Spotify. And Harrison, for the record, you are very, very loved. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. Until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Everyone, please take good care of yourselves and do yourself a favor and remember that there is a huge difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time.